This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the program Warning with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, the founder and president of World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Today's message was recorded March 18, 2006. Dr. Hansen starts out by sharing the legal rights in Psalm 133. Then his associate pastor, Ty Gullstrom, shares the message, Freedom in Praise. Now, let's begin. I'm not going to preach, but I'm going to read a scripture. Pastor Ty is going to preach. I want to read Psalm 133. There's three verses there. Psalm 133, if you have your Bible. And Pastor Ty will be up here in a minute. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now this is an exciting three verses. And if I was preaching, I would break it down from the Greek to the English and the meaning. And, and that is really There's a lot of depth in here. Behold how good. You know, that Greek word for good means highest and best. Highest and best. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren. What is brethren in the Greek? Well, it's in covenant. So the highest and best feelings a person can experience, Christians, is to be in covenant. To dwell together in unity. Again, you break that down into the Greek and the interpretation is in oneness. That nothing will be able to divide you. You are invincible. Isn't that strong? How good it is for brethren, meaning how highest and best you can feel and experience in emotions, in peace and happiness for brethren to be in covenant. Nothing can destroy you then. It says it's like the precious ointment. Now the ointment, you get into the shaman, you get into, if we want to use the word, I hesitate, but I... I You get into semen, sperm. You get into God flowing through you, bringing life. Now, that's powerful. If 
we are in unity. We are invincible. Nothing can destroy you. And God's nature, God's life is flowing through you. It's like the precious ointment. Now, I much rather come from the spirit of God than the spirit of man. Amen? Wouldn't you? That's what this verse is saying. We are from the spirit of God. Upon the head that ran down, upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts. You get into this area, you break it down in the Greek, it's the whole garment pours out. You get into prophecy. Like I said, this, this is so deep and it's so exciting and so rich and so good. It's like the precious ointment that ran down upon the head, that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there be the Lord commanded the blessings, even life forevermore. The blessing, and that broken from Greek to English means that's a legal terminology. We have a legal right to this. We have a legal right to the Spirit of God, the nature of God flowing through us, that nothing can destroy us. We're invincible if we are in covenant. And it's the highest and best feeling one can possess. Now, you break that down into family, you break that down into marriages. You break that down if you're a Christian uh, business owner, proprietor. If you can get brethren to be in covenant, to dwell in unity, it's the highest and best. Nothing can destroy you. God's nature, God's spirit flows through you, and you have a legal right to blessing. Are you following that? The main thing is people perish because of lack of knowledge. They don't grasp it and they pray and nothing happens there's so much depth to these three verses we have a legal right we have a legal right to blessings in our homes in our families in our businesses if brethren dwell in covenant in unity nothing can destroy you nothing can destroy your marriage nothing can destroy your children I mean this is powerful what we have for a legal right. It's powerful. We want to dwell in unity. We want to dwell in covenant. We want to dwell where we can have the blessings of God, the Spirit of God. We want that legal right where our marriages can have the highest fulfillment of satisfaction, of peace, of harmony of happiness, unity, love, forgiveness, reconciliation. As a father that breaks your heart if your children are estranged from you, or a mother, breaks your heart, breaks your heart if you're married and, and a spouse is estranged from you. Breaks your heart if you have a brother or sister and you're estranged from them. 
breaks your heart if you're a pastor and you're estranged from people. I always want to reach out. I always want to talk and discuss. And even if a person doesn't agree, I don't ever want to share those differences. As, as the last class talked by Professor Sedler, it always separates the brethren. And that should never be. Love, forgiveness, working together for the kingdom of God, whether under the same roof or somewhere in the universal kingdom, but working together for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. But I should never attack or hurt or criticize another person to hurt his life or reputation or ministry. If I differ, then I keep it to myself. Unless you're talking about adultery or heresy. But then if you're credentialed, there's authority to correct you. But my heart is for love, for reconciliation. Our ministry and world ministry is international. My ministry is to leadership. That's why Pastor Ty has been now preaching. Because in a church, you need to meet the needs of the people, focus on their needs. Amen? Individual needs. You've got to focus on the individual needs of the people attending that congregation. Where my concern is, is during the week, I'm reaching out to leadership. Hundreds in every nation, sometimes thousands. Our, my concern is to reach out in, in areas of authority and government so that the, there can be peace within those nations. That's why this apostolic uh, Council for Transi- Trans- Transitional Leadership was established. As Dr. and Professor Keith Hoffer and Beacon University shared, as we discussed problems of the church, as leaders got together. And he, and he shared, you know, the founding fathers in America promised life, freedom, and liberty, but not independence. Because there's, there's government and there's authority that prevents chaos and prevents trouble and problems. It's in every home, every church, every business, every community, every government, every ministry. And that's so important. Different leaders were talking about a sloppy agape where when people break away from churches and organized churches just to be together, just to edify themselves, but don't come under discipling or authority, then it becomes idolatry. And 
instead of serving God and extending the kingdom of God and discipling and helping us grow and planning churches and strategy to win the nations were inverted and very selfish. And we don't want that. We want to be people in our homes, our homes under order so our children can be raised right and protected from self-destruction because if, if they don't come under the parents' authority, then they, then they end up in prison or drug addiction or, or, or homosexuality or fornication or premarital sex. Amen? And no parent wants that. No parent wants that. Let Psalms that we just read, 133, 1 through 3, be your guide. Let there be blessing, legal blessing in your home because the Spirit of God is flowing through you, because you're in covenant with the Word of God, with, the, with each other, and you have a legal right to be protected and the enemy cannot destroy you. Let it be for your homes, your, your businesses, uh, your families, uh, the school, whatever, what school you go to. I know it would be very hard if it's in a public school because um, if they don't come in covenant with the Word and the Spirit, then the enemy has legal right to cause all sorts of problems in the students' lives, and there are all sorts of problems than with premarital sex and stuff. But Christian schools, it's different, I know. We can have a legal right to have our students protected and, and encouraged and, and loved and developed and blessed. We can do that in our churches, in our families, and in your businesses, all of you Christian business leaders. You have a legal right for God's blessing and prosperity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Well, you got your swords? Amen. I'm going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 16. One of the songs we were singing inspired me to share a few minutes on this topic. The song that we sang today, Shout of the King. And I love the part, the bridge at the bottom there. It says that heaven opens as we sing your praise. Angels join us as we praise your name. Heaven opens as we sing your praise. Angels join us as we praise your name. And as I was singing that, the Lord brought back the story to me in the book of Acts chapter 16. And I want to share it with you and encourage you in this area. It starts in verse 16 of chapter 16. This is the story of Paul and Silas when they were in prison. It says, Once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Sounds like a pretty good thing, huh? How how many times do you know that just because you say the right things doesn't mean it's always the right spirit? Amen? This young lady had some issues. And she was speaking by things other than the Holy Spirit, though she had a revelation of who Paul was. Remember, the demons had a revelation 
of who Jesus Christ was. And they would see Jesus Christ coming and they would know the spiritual ramifications of Jesus Christ coming. Well, the demons were inhabiting this vessel, this young lady. And she had spiritual perceptions. She had some spiritual revelations. She knew who this Paul was. And so she was going day in and day out. And she was following them wherever they would go and, and saying, these are the men of the Most High God. Show you the way to be saved. And that's okay once or twice. But I tell you what, if they're doing that perpetually, day in and day out, I'm just, I can just kind of visualize Paul here. Paul has finally got to the peak where he can handle it no more. He was hoping that this problem would just, you know, just ignore her and she'll go away, she'll leave us alone. But throughout the day and day in and day out, this lady's following her and crying out, these are Paul and Silas, men of the Most High God, showing you the way to be saved. And I tell you what, I can, I can, if you just put yourself in that situation, there's a time where you just finally, you had enough. Right? And finally, Paul had enough of this talk. And it says, finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, said to who? Didn't say to the girl, what's the point of that? Let's just go to the foundation here. Let's go to the thing that's causing this mouth to open and, and to profess these things. Paul had the discernment to recognize that there was a spirit that inhabited this girl. And so Paul, when he finally got to the brink, and I think the Spirit of God finally said to him, it is time to make a stand here. I've told you this story when I was just a very young Christian. I'll give you the abbreviated form. I was an intern pastor informally at a church. And I was just kind of, you know, I was only in the Lord a couple years, and I was just trying to learn how to, how to be a pastor and just kind of watching. And, and right in the middle of a, of a worship service, this guy walks down the middle, and he's, and, he's, and he's got blood coming off his hands and off his arms, and he's just got, he, just, he doesn't look right. He doesn't look right at all. I mean, he looks, he's just coming straight down the middle. And there's probably about 50, uh, it was a college-age group, about 50 of us, and he's just coming straight down. And the, and the pastor there, he was, the pastor was actually leading worship, and there's three or four up there on the platform, and he just comes at the big platform, big church, he just walks right up the middle of the platform, right onto the stage, right during worship. Blood on his hands, blood on his arms, and he's just not looking good, he's not looking pleasant. And I tell you what, there was a... There was a challenge right there, a spiritual challenge. We weren't talking about, it's not like you just tell this man, you know, Todd, would you please go sit down? That wouldn't have worked. This guy was demon-possessed. We knew it. We had been trying to counsel him beforehand. We knew he, is, he, knew he was demon-possessed. But he finally got to this place where he started scratching himself and had blood that's going everywhere. And he walks right up on the platform, and then we had an encounter. And I always kind of remember that in the story of, of Paul. And Paul finally got to the point, there was an encounter a spiritual encounter. And I, I, unfortunately, our story isn't so good as the, as the story of Paul here. We didn't just stand up and just rebuke the Spirit, which we probably should have done. But in our timidity, we said, oh, go counsel him. Go, go take him in a side room and counsel him. How do we know you can't counsel a demon? Right? I've tried, tried that many times. Counseling sessions, one thing that I, we need more than anything when we counsel is discernment. Because if you have a demon that's underlying this whole thing. You cannot counsel a demon. You know how much time you will waste in counseling if you're counseling a demon? 
Do you know how deceptive they will be? On the outside, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's, you think the things are going, but there's nothing that's changing. That, that demon's just, in there, <laughs> just chuckling away because, because you, don't see, you don't have the spiritual perception that you're counseling a demon. You don't counsel demons, you cast demons out, right? Amen? Then you start the counseling process. Now you've got a, a bedrock of clear spiritual perception, and that person is not getting tossed to and fro, and now the counseling, the biblical counseling can help. But you never counsel a demon, you cast them out. Amen? And Paul finally got to that point where he recognized this is demonic. This is not someone that's just you know, trying to lift up their ministry. This was demonic. And finally he turns around and he casts the demon out. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And I like this part of the story because one of the things that I believe that the Lord does is he allows circumstances to come into our lives to create a catastrophe, potentially. He mixes things up. He stirs things up. He wanted to, he made a crisis. Do you know the Lord is in the business of making crises for our, for our benefit? Not for our destruction. He allows crises to come into our life to shake us to a place of relying upon Him. And right here, in Paul's ministry... The Lord brought a crisis. So finally he, he turns and he casts out the spirit. And you think, oh, that's all done. Now let us carry on on their merry way. That's not how it was. Let's keep reading the story. Verse 19 says, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone. Why? What was this young lady good at? Fortune telling. So she was an asset and he just cast out the asset. How dare this Paul cast out my asset? And so they were writhing. They were upset. So Paul here finally got to the point where he felt the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit come upon him to say, don't let this girl mock the Lord Jesus Christ and you anymore. And he finally gets to the point, perhaps the Lord had been prodding him for some time to do it, but finally he does it. Finally he casts out that devil. And he thinks, okay, everything's okay now. Devil's gone. But I tell you what, that's right when his problems started. Because the Lord will bring crises in our lives for our perfection. He will do it. If you truly want to be perfected in the Lord, if you want to be a nominal Christian, you can pretty much kind of guard and keep yourself from almost every crisis. Right? But if you really want the heart of God, you just go through the Bible and any person that wanted the heart of God, there is crises that come in their lives. Why? Because God can see that the crises can perfect you. Right? And in Paul's life, I mean, that, his life is a life of crises. Constant crises. I can't wait to take the class on Paul to see how... If they pick up on that point, that it's the crisis of Paul's life that perfects him. And it's, the no, it's no different with Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus learned basically obedience through what he suffered. It's through that suffering, it's through those crises times that the Lord perfects you. The Lord challenges you. The Lord exposes areas in your life of yourself, of you trying to self-protect and self-identify and find your own place of security. There's times of crises. We've, we've talked about it before. Pastor Hansen has 
Talked about it many times, the class, about how it's when the, when the water is hot that it's the contents of the bag, the tea bag, comes out. And so the Lord doesn't wish crises upon your life for trivial matters. He does it. He allows these circumstances to happen for your perfection. And he does it here for Paul. So when these slave owners recognize that their asset was gone, they seize Paul and Silas and drag them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Now we could talk a lot about an evil report right here. What they should really say is, they cast out my asset. Not they, they're throwing up this city in an uproar. But they wanted what? They wanted the, the, the magistrates to be on their side. And so they were willing to, to bend and to twist just a little bit or just a lot to try to get the people, get the magistrates upset. Because I tell you what, if you just go to the magistrate and say, this Paul cast out my asset. They're going to laugh at you, Right? He couldn't come with that report. He had to come with an evil report, a defiled report, an inflated report to get the people to back them. So the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Okay, so whenever you think about this story, how many times have we heard the story of Paul and Silas in prison? Do you ever remember the fact that they were severely flogged before they were put in prison? We always forget that part. You know, it's one thing to go sit in the cell for a few days, but to be severely beaten and flogged? I mean, my, my thought is their backs were laid bare. They were put on the pole, and they took the whips out, and they flogged them, and they stripped flesh off their, off their bodies. I mean, they were severely flogged and beaten. They were pushed down, beaten down. They were not in the natural, in a good standing. They had just been beaten. And back then, they'd beat you right to the point of death. They didn't want to kill you. That'd be too easy, right? They wanted it right to the point of death. So they were severely beaten. Now put yourself in that position and now be thrown in prison. And the prisons back then are not like the prisons of today. And they didn't have electricity and, and all these things. It was a dungeon. It was a dark. It was nasty. And they were thrown into that position. Why? Because a spiritual challenge came and walked right in front of them and the Spirit of God leapt within them in the name of Jesus. He cast out that spirit. The Lord allowed this to happen. The Lord allowed this trial to come to the life of Paul and Silas. But you know what? Paul and Silas' heart were rent and bent towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And so everything, when you're walking in that confidence, when you're walking in an area where your heart is crying out for God, it's an active relationship. You have active communion and intimacy with the Lord. When you truly live in that engagement with the Lord then you're able to see that anything that comes across your path, you stop looking at it for the crisis and look at it for what the Lord's going to do through it. And I believe that's the perspective 
that Paul constantly had. He was so intimate with the Lord. He so desired to have intimacy with Jesus Christ that no matter what happened in his life, he always allowed it to work for his perfection. And so the Lord allowed this to happen. Is it the will of God for men to get beat? No. But he allows circumstances to happen, even in sinful man, to allow it for your perfection. That is the beauty and the awesomeness of serving Jesus Christ. He is so perfectly sovereign that truly, like Joseph, we can say, and like Paul could say here, you meant it for evil, but my Lord made it for good. He perfected me, even through your beatings and my flesh being torn and being thrown into prison. You meant it for evil, but my God meant it for good. And when I come out of this prison, I am going to be more on fire for Jesus Christ. I'm going to have left less of myself and more of the Lord. I am going to be more of a danger to the kingdom of darkness when I come out of this prison. Hallelujah. That's the perspective that we need to have when we go through persecutions or trials or hardships is never look at the beatings or the prison, but always look at what Jesus Christ was wanting to do. And ask Him and say, Lord, help me. My flesh wants to run. May I submit to Your will and may I come out of this thing more perfected than before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He will dance in the fiery furnace with you. And so here they are that are thrown now into prison. The crowd was incensed and was against them. They were severely flogged. And upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So now they have been severely beaten. I can just imagine that there is blood flowing on the backside or whoever knows what else. But they were severely beaten. That's not to me two or three flogs. They were punished. Flesh was pulled down. The blood was flowing. They're thrown into a dark inner cell and they're chained up and they're shackled up. Put yourself, allow yourself to, be, to somehow try to comprehend that. It's difficult, isn't it? But can you imagine going through that? And all he did was cast out an evil demon. That's all you did. He just cast out a devil. So now here, here's Paul and Silas. They're in the inner most cell. It's dark. It's cold. They're bleeding. Their flesh is crying out. And they're shackled and bound up in that prison. Verse 25 says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying and singing hymns to God. In the midst of being beaten, being thrown into a prison, being shackled up, their body hurting, the conditions horrible, Paul and Silas started lifting up. Can you imagine? I'm just trying to imagine another prisoner in that prison. Perhaps they've been there for weeks or months. And they just hear of this Paul and the Silas that are going out and preaching the name of Jesus Christ that have been beaten and thrown into a cell. And it's just not within an hour or two of being thrown in that cell, all of a sudden all the prisoners begin to hear some singing and some praying. 
I bet those prisoners in that cell had never heard singing in the prison before. That is not a place to sing and to praise the name of the Lord. But I tell you what, I bet every prisoner, every person in there, I bet their spirits were uplifted. It doesn't matter what their relationship was with God. When they have two men that have been severely flogged and beaten or thrown in the innermost part of the cell, and all of a sudden they start hearing, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And all they start singing. It's just infiltrating. It's just like you're in this dark prison, but all of a sudden it's, it, 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 there's some spiritual light. You just feel the presence of God in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your persecution and your bondage. You start to lift up that melody to the Lord and everyone around you is in awe. How can you sing at a time like this? And I bet every person, including the guards, were affected by the ministry of Paul and Silas in the midst of that prison. And you know that Jesus Christ so longs for every man and every woman to be saved that he is even willing to put you in a place that you would consider not wanting to be in for the sake of saving someone that might be there? You know that's, that's the way that the Lord Jesus Christ works? If you are, he, won't do it, he usually won't do it if you don't allow him to. But if you are totally submitted to the will of God in your life, he will allow circumstances to come that on the natural, they look ugly and they look horrible. Even to the point of getting thrown into prison for righteousness sake, for the point of being able to share the gospel to a people that you would never have access to. See, Paul always had that perspective. And can I encourage you that no matter what you're going through in your life, whether you have been flogged by this world, you're hurting, you're in pain, you feel like you're in prison, you feel like you're in darkness, can I encourage you that the Lord Jesus Christ will begin to open up the heavens as you do that, as you sing His praise. Begin to sing His praise. As soon as you start singing His praise, that place of darkness that you're in, all of a sudden you'll start seeing the light. And that light, all of a sudden you'll notice that God has broken your shackles and you're no longer bound. And then you'll look at the prison door and notice that it's not locked anymore, that it's ajar. And you'll keep leading you out of that cell. And you'll notice as you're walking out of that cell and you get out of that prison, you'll all of a sudden notice, hey, my back is not hurting. I'm no longer in pain anymore. He has healed your wounds. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ will do for you. In Paul, we're talking about physical prisons and physical beatings and physical darkness. But that's not what we experience every day. We experience emotional and spiritual bondages and darkness and beatings. But I have good news for you. Greater is he that is in you than he is in this world. And can I encourage you to start doing this. Heavens will open. The Spirit of God will start to flow in your life as you begin to praise Him and to sing to Him. Don't wait and say, Lord, I will start singing your praises as soon as you get me out of this prison. Don't let that be your heart. That is what we want to do, isn't it, sometimes? Lord, I'll start preaching the gospel as soon as you heal my infirmity. I mean, I've got caught myself. I struggle with this neck pain and this eye pain that I don't understand. And sometimes I find myself saying, Lord, almost like I want to use it against them. I'll start preaching your gospel. You can just heal me first. I, I've done that. And then I say, Lord, I'm sorry. That was wrong. 
But I've done it. And we've all done it in some ways. We put these contingencies upon praise, on worshiping Him. He is not more worthy of praise if He heals you. He is perfectly worthy of praise no matter what your circumstance. Even if you're in the innermost cell, even if you've been flogged and beaten and bleeding and in shackles, even then, He is worthy to be praised. Don't wait. It's the praise that breaks the shackles. It's the praise that releases the lights upon your darkness. Don't wait for God to do things apart from the way that He has ordained them. Begin to praise the Lord. As we in our individual lives and in this church, as we begin to praise Him and worship Him, I'm not talking about Saturday. I'm talking about all the time. I'm talking about you're in the car and you're just praising the Lord. And now I, I, want, I want to know, I'll be known as a congregation of the people that drive and they're just acting funny in their car, you know? You know, people are going by and you're just doing this in the car, singing his praise. Keep one hand on the wheel, sing his praise. Hallelujah. You're going through the grocery store and people on the other aisle are going, what is that? You know? And you're just praising the Lord under your breath. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It'll affect the people around you. Because they say, wow, that person's been really going through a hard time and he's praising the Lord. Let's be people that are known to praise the Lord. God has promised that he is going to come to bind up your broken heart and release you from your captivity. And this is the means in which he does it out of a people that no matter what their circumstances, they are set in their heart to praise ye the Lord. That is the command throughout the entirety of Scripture. Praise ye the Lord. When? It's not a question of when. It doesn't tell you when. It's all the time. Our lives are a praise unto God. When you submit a child to his parent, when you submit to people around you that you ought to submit to, that even is a praise unto the Lord. It's not even about just singing. It's about your whole life. Everything that you think and everything that you do is a praise unto the Lord. See, you were created for praise. You were created to have that harmony and that peace in that relationship. You were created, like Pastor Hansen talked about, to live in the unity and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and within one another. You were created for that. The church is only the church when the church is flowing in unity. And when there's no unity, the Spirit of God cannot flow. You will not see signs and wonders very much. But when the Holy Spirit comes and everyone's together in unity, then Pentecost can really happen. The Spirit of God can really flow. You see, before the event of Pentecost... The church, quote-unquote, went through 400 years of the intertestamental time of darkness. The Spirit of God was not doing anything. There was no prophetic utterances. There were hardly any signs and wonders. But finally, through the death and the risen of Jesus Christ, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Pentecost came into our lives. And all of them were assembled together in unity. The church can only be the church through unity. Amen? We must allow the Holy Spirit of God to search our hearts 
and ask, Lord, in the time of crises, in those times of darkness, have I been discouraged and distraught? Have I held bitterness or discontent against you or against others? Or truly, have I done what the Lord has taught me to do through his word? That in those desperate times that I see heavens open as I start singing his praise. Can we be a church that's like that? Hallelujah. Can I challenge you that if we're not willing to do that now, why would we be willing to do that if we were thrown in prison? This is the reality check that we have to allow the word of God to speak to us. If you're not willing to do it now, when you're not beaten literally and thrown into a prison, why would you do it then if you're not doing it now? That's what the Lord is showing me. He's saying, Ty, you say I'll preach the gospel. He says, if you start preaching the gospel, I'm going to start bringing some demonic people to you. And you're going to have to start casting them out. And that could cause you some trouble. Right? I'm going to start drawing some lines in front of you. You really want to mean that? You've got to start praising me now. Because then I can use you. Then I'll bring the people that really need you and you can be a vessel, but it might create some crises in your life and you might be in places or situations that you would never be in if your heart wasn't bent towards the gospel. So the Lord says, I'm not, you're not waiting for me. I am waiting for you. You make that declaration now in your circumstance. Right? So whether, you know, Paul was literally in prison and literally beaten, but you know what? Whether, whatever circumstance you're in, it feels that way, doesn't it? In our own little area, we usually allow that discouragement to come in in such a way that we make a mountain out of a mohel. And that little thing that seems so, it's so insignificant in and by itself, we mole on it and mole on it. And we listen to the lies of the enemy, right? That says, oh, poor you. Your God surely does not love you. How could he love you? He lets you hurt. Your neck hurts every day in your eye. I thought you said that Jesus was a miracle-working God. He certainly can't love you. You shouldn't serve him. You shouldn't preach his gospel. How can you sing his praise? He hasn't even healed you. He needs to do something for you first, doesn't he, before you can start praising him? He starts to, to put these things in in subtle ways. And all of a sudden now, we in ourselves have put ourselves into that prison. Because there is freedom in Jesus Christ. If you're finding yourself in a prison emotionally or spiritually, it's because we have been attacked and led to a place of a prison. But isn't it wonderful that Jesus doesn't say, aha, you did it to yourself. You find your own way out. All you have to do is confess your sin. All you have to do is say, Lord, I was tempted by this infirmity. I was tempted by these circumstances. My, my character was defiled by these people and I, I allowed self-pity to come and I attacked or I did this or I did that and I got discouraged. Whatever else happened in your life and you allowed yourself to be bound into the innermost prison and there's darkness there and you found yourself there and you say, Lord, if you love me, why'd you put me in this prison? The Lord didn't put you necessarily in that prison. Sometimes we put ourselves in that prison. But hallelujah, he will not leave you, and he will not forsake you. Remember the psalm that says, no matter where you go, whether you go to the heavens or whether you go to the pit of Sheol, doesn't matter where you go, where you find yourself, what prison you're in, if you will just simply say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me of my sin. All of a sudden, you'll start to sing his praise. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the fiery furnace, we can start praising his name. Let's be a church that praises his name. It's the praise that the demons cannot stand. It's the praise and the worship of God that breaks spiritual deception in your life. As you begin to praise the Lord, I believe the anointing of God comes on you. And in this, in this emotional, spiritual sense, all the attachments of the enemy that have clung on to you as that, that oil comes down like off Aaron's beard, all of a sudden the demons just don't have an attachment for you anymore. They were firmly entrenched because you failed to praise and failed to allow the Lord God to bring revelation. But now, to your praise, all of a sudden these footholds and these arm grasps that the demons had begin to lose their hold and they start sliding off. Because you praised him and the anointing of God is coming upon you. Amen. Amen. Let's set ourselves to praising the Lord. If you're in a dark place, if you're in a dungeon place, if you're discouraged or depressed, if your physical body is hurting you, praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen? Amen. He is worthy of the praise. We don't need to say, Lord, if you will do this thing for me, I will then praise your name. We have got to come to that place in our lives where we can truly say to the Lord, Lord, you have done enough. You have done everything. You have saved me. You have set me free. You have shed your blood for me. And just start praising him for who he is. Praise him for his character. Praise him for his love and his peace and his goodness and his kindness in your life. Begin to praise him. I tell you what you'll start seeing the darkness lift and the light come in. And you'll truly see shackles broken and jail cells open. And you'll see the wounds on your emotional being or your physical being will begin to be healed as you lead a life of praise. Enter into his courts, his presence, with thanksgiving and with praise. Amen? That is the road of freedom. That is the access point to Christ. Enter into his gates, his courts, with praise and thanksgiving. Would you do that in your life? Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. I want to ask that we respond to that today. The Lord has been speaking to you. The Lord has been revealing to you. The Lord has given you a hope today. I believe the Spirit of God has placed a nugget of hope, a ray of light into your areas of darkness in your life. And all you have to do to solidify that and to see that open up is to set in your heart to be a a worshiper and a praiser of God. Amen? Amen. And you're going to see things happen. And as the story continues, do you remember what happened? Let's read it as we conclude. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners listening to them. Amen? People are going to start listening to you. They're going to start watching you. They're going to start engaging with you as you start to live a life of praise and thanksgiving to God. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. How many? all not just Paul and Silas's you see when you start to to set in your heart to be a praiser and worshiper of God it's going to affect and it's going to be a catalyst to release people around you 
People's, other people's prison doors and shackles are going to start busting off. When you come into engagement with a person that is bound up by a spirit, they might start manifesting it because the spirit of God is so welling up within you that you're going to start breaking free in shackles and the things of people around you. That's what's going to happen. You're going to be, you're going to be contaminating other people with the Holy Ghost, whether they want it or not. And there we will know that there's a God. Amen? Amen. This community will know there's a God. Because if your heart is bent towards thanksgiving and praise, the demons will shudder at the name of Jesus Christ in you. And people's doors will be starting to bust open. This is is funny right here. Verse 27. The jailer woke up. Well, this is a faithful jailer right here. Amen? Amen? He was asleep and at at the post. And all of a sudden, a violent earthquake. Can you imagine that he actually woke up after the violent earthquake came? Isn't that amazing? He finally woke up. It took an earthquake to shake him out of his slothfulness. He wakes up, and he sees all these prison doors have been opened. And when he saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword to kill himself. Because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? All the doors are wide open, and they're just sitting in the cell saying, don't worry, we're not, we're not going anywhere here. You don't have to worry. You know? They're, not, they're all like running like a mob out of there. Paul says, hold on, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. Do you see that when the the Spirit of God, the anointing of God is upon your life and you start breaking shackles and wounding wounds in people's lives, that you can speak the word of the Lord to them. Prior to that, you'll never have a voice. You'll never have an opening. They don't want to hear it. But when you start releasing them, from their bondages and start healing and bringing the salve of Jesus Christ and they experience that in their lives, you'll have an avenue to speak the word of the Lord to them. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God he and his whole family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see the power of praise? Do you see all the chain of events that unfolded because Paul and Silas determined their heart in the midst of their suffering to praise ye the Lord? Do you see the shackles were broken? Darkness was lifted. Other people's shackles were broken and their, bound, their bounds were, were released. Do you see that they were released from that and brought outside? That they were able to see salvation come to the people's lives? That their wounds were, were healed? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it awesome? we got to learn this as Christians and as a church. We are at times in these places and praise ye the Lord. He is in the midst of the darkness. He is in the midst of your bondage. He will not leave you, and he will not forsake you. And so let us determine in our hearts to praise ye the Lord. Would you do that today? 
The Lord, I trust, has spoken to each of us in a unique way like only he can do. He's spoken to me through this message in a way that's different from you. But all of us must respond by saying a yay and amen. Yes, Lord. Let it be so in my life. Set me on high to praise your name. Praise the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you to all to stand. And we're going to conclude the service here in a moment. I'm going to ask that you just spend a few moments alone with the Lord. Just make that commitment afresh and anew. Maybe you've already made the commitment. Maybe in your heart, the Lord has already stirred you. And you, under, in your mind, you said, Lord, I've committed myself. Would you, just, would you just make it a public testimony of your church? I think there's something powerful in doing that. There's something powerful in coming forward, of moving from the place in which you are to another place. There is something powerful in that. You're making that, that, that transformation. You're saying, I was here, and I have failed to praise the Lord in this area of my life. And I choose, as an external thing, I am going to go to the front as an external thing of showing what's happened in my heart that I've moved. I've moved to a new place. I've moved to a place of praise. I've moved to a place of repentance and said, Lord, forgive me when I have allowed depression and discouragement, when I have allowed unproper speech to happen because of my, my, my situation, if I've held bitterness against you. Forgive me, Lord, and renew within me a spirit of praise and of worship, and he'll do it. Hallelujah, he'll do it. And I just guarantee it, the demons are not going to like it. They're going to come against you. Hallelujah, but Jesus Christ is going to protect you. He will protect you if you will just have your heart bent on the Lord and to be a praiser and a worshiper of God. You have just entered into a new part of the battle. And the fiery darts of the enemy are going to come. But the Lord says, don't worry about that. I have given you the full armor of God and my mighty power and my strength. If you go out with my armor, you cannot be defeated. You can be thrown into prison, but you cannot be defeated. You can be trampled on and beaten, but you cannot be defeated because I am faithful to be with you. Only put on the full armor of God. Put it on. Put on the cloak of his mighty power. Let the spirit of Pentecost come upon you so that you can truly let the salve of the Holy Ghost flow through you and you can see someone that's obviously is, is, is bound by a spirit and you can say, be released in the name of Jesus Christ. You can see someone in a physical infirmity and the Spirit of God can come upon you. And you can say, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. You can see deception and defilement on it. You can see it spiritually that the demons have been defecating and urinating on a person and they're in deception and confusion. And you can come and you can break that in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the Spirit of Pentecost come upon you in your life. He desires it for yourself and He desires it for people around you. Let's be contaminated with the Holy Spirit, huh? Let's be possessed by the Holy Ghost. Let's make a declaration to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. 
This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the Independence Program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.